You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy for, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also de will deny us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot deny himself. David Jeremiah, in his book, The, en the World of the End, which tells a very uh, moving story about a time in Mike, what, what year did I talk to about last week? 1986, that's right, 1986. Mike really blessed me yesterday on the, the Golden Agers Big K Catfish outing when he thought I was born in 1986. <laughs> I was 15 then, but uh, appreciate it, Mike. But in 1986, he... he Billy Graham had assembled uh, a group of people that were called barefoot evangelists. Uh, these were people that would, I mean, go through jungles and, and, and go through really hard-to-reach places to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, he, in, in this meeting, he, he raised so much money to bring from 180 nations these variety of evangelists to come for some training. And he, there, there was a man by the name of Joseph from the Maasai tribe in Central Africa, and he was a, a, a young warrior who was converted. And, and Joseph had the opportunity to, to meet one-on-one -on -one with Billy Graham just for a few minutes, and Joseph was able to tell of his story. What's interesting about Joseph's story is that when he was converted when he was young, and he wanted to go back and take the gospel to his village. And he went back to his village, and, and while he was trying to share what Christ has done in his life, it, it, it caused a rage among his, his, his people, and they beat him severely. Uh, it, it was described that he was beaten with barbed wire uh, on his back and chest, and and so he, he thought, began to think, well, did I get the gospel wrong? Did I get the story all mixed up? Did I, what did I say that was so offensive? But he went back a second time, and he was beaten severely again, and he would, he would go back to a, you know, you know just kind of like move very slowly away and kind of nurse his wounds, and, 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 and so he went back a third time. This guy, uh, you know, he, he's looking for punishment, Right? 
But he went back a third time, and they beat him severely again. But it was this time that he was kind of getting in and out of consciousness that he noticed that one particular woman who was beating him began to have tears just stream down her face. And the next thing he knows, he's waking up in his own bed, being nursed by the very ones who beat him. Because they saw an example going back and back and back again with the gospel, all that he endured touched their heart that they listened to the gospel. And where those that once beat him believed, it was told that eventually the whole village came to believe. And Joseph was there in front of Billy Graham and Joseph raised his shirt and showed the scars that, was, that he you know, suffered for sharing the gospel. And after Joseph left Billy Graham's presence, Billy Graham was telling the story to others, and he says, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoe, and he came to see me. That's how powerful his story was to Billy Graham. But it's a story of endurance it is a story of taking the gospel at great risk, but it was all worth it. And today I want to talk to you about endure from our passage. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy from a prison cell. Paul knows something about endurance. Paul knows something about the suffering for Christ. And Paul's writing young Timothy to encourage him to not quit, to keep going, to, to be all that God has, has called him to be and, 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 and to make sure that when he's in this good fight to endure the suffering. Because you see, not all those that had called on the name of Christ, not all of even Paul's companions continued to engage in the good fight. Some quit. Paul said in chapter 1 towards the end of 2 Timothy, he says, you're aware, he's telling Timothy, that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom is Phygelus and Hermogenes. So there were some who didn't endure. They saw Paul's imprisonment. They saw all that Paul had faced. And what did they do? They quit. They turned away. They walked away. And what a sad case. But there was another one by the name of Onesiphorus, who Paul says, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, now notice this, and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant to him find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. So Paul really gives us an example of those who did not endure, who were ashamed of the imprisonment of Paul, ashamed of what the gospel had brought on to so many Christians being persecuted around the world. But there was Onesiphorus. We can be encouraged by Onesiphorus because, look, he was not ashamed. And he went and he, he, he had a minister's heart and he went and sought out Paul to come to his aid and help and encourage him. And then Paul says this to Timothy, first two words to Timothy in chapter 2, you then, 
Based on the examples, you then endure. Endure. Why? Because of a mission. Our mission. Our mission is making disciples who make disciples. Jesus, while he was on the earth, he had commissioned his church, go make disciples, baptize them, and teach them all things. Before his ascension, he tells the church at Jerusalem, look, uh, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. And you're going to go and you're going to share the gospel And when you share the gospel, as you're making disciples and you're teaching them, you're doing it for the purpose that they may teach others as well. That that, that there's there's a sense that what we're called to do is we're going to pour into the lives of others that they can then pour their lives into others. That we can see lives transformed one life at a time. But to do this, it requires spiritual strength. Look, if we're about making disciples who make disciples, there's going to be opposition. Many of the Sunday school classes this morning were studying the book of Acts chapter 16. And the book of Acts is, 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 is filled with so much uh, of, of church history, so many accounts of where, whether it was men like Paul or Peter, they'd go and they'd preach the gospel and it would bring opposition And in those times, we need to tap in to some spiritual strength. And so Paul tells Timothy, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If there's ever ever a man that understands that spiritual strength is needed, it's the Apostle Paul. I mean, Apostle Paul was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked. I mean, he just, he endured a lot for the cause of Christ. In fact, he, he even said from his own, own lips, you know, one time he had a thorn in the flesh, and he prayed three times, whatever that ailment is, whatever that, that thorn was that somehow was trying to interfere in the ministry he was doing, he prayed, Lord, remove this from me. But here's what God had told him. No, for my grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, then you are made strong. And it's in that weakness, in those moments where we feel like I can't do it on my own, I can't do it of my own power, that God somehow infuses us with the strength needed to continue on. To the times of Joseph from the Maasai tribe that went back to his village time and time again, not of his own power, but by conviction that the gospel can change lives and by the strength that he received from the Lord. And what happened? The whole village was changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you see, over the years, I've learned that if I'm going to get spiritual strength, if I'm going to tap into God's reservoir of grace to infuse me with the things that I need, I know I, know I need to do this. I know I need to spend time alone with God. I need to be in His Word. I need to be praying to God. I also need to rely on His promises because I know in those times when it's going to get difficult that I'm going to rely on His promises, that I know that God says He'll never leave me nor forsake me. 
I understand God says that, 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 that there's going to be opposition, but he's my shield, my buckler. We need to rest on those promises. But I also know that I need to be actively involved in the ministry of sharing the gospel with others and surrounding myself with like-minded people with a heart for God. You know, I get strength from you all. You know, you encourage me. I hope I encourage you. There, and, and that's why we come together in, in a capacity such as today of just, of just worshiping God or whether it's in our study groups or where we just come and just have a cup of coffee. God seems to use those moments to strengthen and encourage our hearts. So we need to tap into God's reservoir of grace that we might be strengthened. But also it requires investing in people. Investing in people. Notice what Paul tells Timothy. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust, deposit, invest to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Investing in people. I remember it's been, it's been a few years now, Lynn, that you and I were going through the beginning, the mentoring process. And Lynn had told me that the things that, that he was pouring into me, that I was to take and to pour into others. And so as, as, as I began to learn principles and as I began to learn more about leadership and uh, you know, more about ministry and the things that I was taking, I then began to then take what I had learned and share with someone who I am mentoring. I have a dear friend, Matt Hurd. He's pastor in a church in Mojave, California. And, and, and Matt is, is, is a man who is truly a remarkable man. And uh, he, he's a man who was born with a hearing, hearing impairment. He has two cochlear implants. He has a speech impediment, but God had called him to the ministry. And uh, that, that guy would just bug the heck out of me. He would come, and, and he wanted to learn more. I saw that in him. He wanted to learn. He wanted to spend time. So we set aside two days a week. One day, we would, we would go out, and we'd do ministry together. We went to businesses, and we asked the owners or the managers, how could we pray for you and your business today? We'd, we'd do a variety of just different things, trying to get into our community. We, sometimes we'd go visit, visiting our, our various church members. And then another day a week, we'd just sit in my office, and we'd study together. We'd talk about life and ministry. I just tried to pour all that I have learned and passing on to him. And now he's just a wonderful uh, pastor, his people love him, and you know. Now Matt is taking his one and pouring into others, and that's that's what God has called us to do. So, I, I have a I have a question to ask you guys this morning: Is who's your one you're pouring into? Who, who's the one that that everything that you're learning about the Word of God that you're instilling in others? You know, parents instill in their children, right? That their children might instill in their children. But, but, you know, maybe we have friends, maybe we have coworkers, maybe we have another family member, maybe, maybe it's a, a church member in our class that we could take time and, and, and invest in them all that we have learned. Because we should be about our mission, making disciples who make disciples. 
So maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking about, well, how can God use me? Well, choose an individual that you say, you know what? There's something about them. They're learning, they're growing, and maybe God will allow me to pour into their life and to begin a relationship where as you learn the Word of God, you impart it to them, and then hopefully at some point then they will pick their one and all that they had learned that they'll begin to pour into someone else because that's what God has called us to do, to share the gospel to teach, to mentor, to invest in the lives of people, that we can see lives changed one at a time. And we're all to be involved, all of us. So who's your one? So not only do we have our mission, making disciples who make disciples, but we have a model, and it's illustrated for us. Paul uses three analogies. He uses that of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Something they would have been familiar with. Something that, by the way, we can be very familiar with in our culture today. But he talks about a soldier. He says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So as we're about our mission, making disciples who make disciples, there are some things, some models, some illustrations, that we can uh, principles that we can apply to our lives. First of all, just as a soldier, we need to learn to endure, to suffer. Those of you who served in the military probably remember basic training. Uh, some of us were very, very young, and when we got to basic training, these words uttered our, out of our mouth, or we thought them in our mind, what in the world did I get myself into? We got guys with brown round hats yelling at us. My mama didn't even yell at me like that. I did push-ups for days and sit-ups and ran for miles and miles, putting my, my body to the test. Physically, mentally stressed. And I literally wanted to go home. And as any good soldier, a soldier learns to endure. Because any soldier is going to face times in the battle that all that training is going to come into play. I remember when I went to Desert Storm and our unit, we had trained and trained and trained and trained and you never know how you're going to respond on a battlefield. You really don't. You think you'd want to respond very heroically, but usually it was the guys that always had, that talked a lot, you know, oh yeah, I'm going to go in there. They were the cowards. It was the quiet guys. It was the quiet guys that you wanted to be in the trenches with because they did their job. They worked hard, and they learned, and, and, and you wanted to be with them. And, and, and so, you know, whether it was, you know, the artillery that fell around us or the missiles that was shot at us, 
uh, you know, the guys that trained, they learned to endure. They didn't stress out in times where things were chaotic and hectic. They just did their job because they learned to endure the stress and the suffering. And look, opposition's par for the course when sharing the gospel. In America, we're a little spoiled today. We really do not know what persecution's like. But there may be a time and a day in which that comes. And as any good soldier, we need to be prepared for it. To learn not to quit, but to endure. Well, we also see that the purpose of the soldier, he says, look, the soldier doesn't entangle in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. In other words, this soldier isn't divided in his loyalty. He is loyal to the one who, who recruited, who enlisted. He, he wants to please his commanding officer. So he's all in. He's all in. You may have heard phrases such as this, is that, you know, us, we perform to the audience of one. Our whole life is to be devoted and loyal to our commanding officer, the one who saved us, the one who's called us. Like a soldier, we want to please the one. He's given us marching orders, and we want to fulfill them the best that we can in his strength and in his power. So we endure so that we might please our Heavenly Father. So not only do we have a soldier as an illustration, we also have an athlete. An athlete. Paul tells Timothy, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. As you can tell, I'm very athletic. <sighs> I run a marathon in my mind every so often. But an athlete, you know, they have to learn something about endurance too. The training that's involved. I mean, right now the, the NFL Combine had just finished and you got a lot of guys in shorts that look really, really good at the moment, you know. Uh, but what they put their bodies through to, to prepare for this, this great job interview for the NFL and to, and, and to play a very physical, grinding sport, it's amazing all that they put. But, but here's the most important part, that no matter the, the endurance that they have to, to endure physically, they're to compete according to the rules. If they want to win, if they want to be crowned, they have to do it according to the rules. If you're a marathon runner, you can't just, you know, take a shortcut. You've got to stay on the course as designed. So what does that say for us Christians? Look, God has a crown for us. But if we want that crown, we need to follow his book. We need to follow the principles in the word of God. Now I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it, but there should be a heart that we want to, we want to follow the principles of God's word the Bible. 
that we can do things according to those principles, and at the end of our life, wouldn't it be wonderful if we heard these words, well done. Well done. And so like an athlete who puts his body in, 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 in just very difficult situations, enduring, but he competes, he does, does things according to the principles of God's Word. And so as we're, as we're making disciples that makes disciples, let's do it according to the principles of God's Word. Because it works. And it's the best way. It's also a way in which God will reward us. Speaking of rewards, the third model is that of a farmer. Notice he calls the farmer a hardworking farmer. Farming's tough. I know nothing about it. Never farmed a day in my life, but I know those who have. They get up early. They come in late at night. They're out there preparing their field or uh, where I live, there was a lot of dairymen, and they were, it, it's a lot of work, milking cows. But a hardworking farmer, one who has to endure weather, who has to endure droughts and, you know, maybe flooding, maybe, you know, times of great harvest, maybe sometimes not so great harvest, but he ought to have the first share of the crops. As I thought about this, of course we could talk about, you know, as a, for Timothy as a, as a pastor, teacher, that, you know, that, you know, it could be about his livelihood, that he should be able to reap, if you will, some things from those that he witnesses to and pours their lives into so, for compensation. But, but I thought about this, that, that labor, hard labor is needed before reward. The hardworking farmer, or let's put the hardworking evangelist, pastor, disciple maker, the one who puts himself forth, works hard at it, should be able to enjoy his reward. Enjoy it. Now maybe if that enjoyment might become like you go and you share the gospel. Maybe it's the joy that you receive in leading that one to Christ. Perhaps, you know, if it's in ministry, maybe you get into vocational ministry and you're pouring yourself. There is a sense that, hey, I should be able to uh, be able to support myself and and um, and and live of the gospel, but for most of us, we should be able to enjoy the fruits of our labor and the reward to come. But I want to go back. It's the hardworking farmer. My dad taught me from a young age about hard work. He drug me out to the construction site and taught me about work, at, work ethic. And I tell you what, as a young boy, that was the last place I wanted to be is on a construction site. I, want, I wanted to go play with G.I. Joes, you know what I'm saying? 
I wanted to go, and I had Tonka trucks, and I had all sorts of stuff growing up, but I learned something about work. I learned something about hard work, and I know this about hard work. It pays off. When you invest your time in the things of God, guess what? It pays off. It may not necessarily, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, monetarily, you know, where I have my own jet and mansion. I'm not talking about those things. Those things mean nothing to me. But let me tell you, when I stand before God and I pour time and the work and the labor of doing what God has called me to do, I'm not going to really worry about anything else because it's going to pay off and please the one who's in heaven. So those are some models. But let's talk about our motivation. Jesus. Why did Paul do the things that he did? Why was Paul able to endure the imprisonments, the beatings, the shipwrecks, the hardships? Jesus. Jesus. Is there, is there any person that had endured more than Jesus? And Paul says, remember Jesus Christ. This is what he's telling Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Remember Jesus, because he's our motivation. His own people shouted, crucify him, crucify him. He was beaten. The crown of thorns was beaten on his head. Blood was shed and nailed to a cross. Has there anyone ever endured more? And we complain that the air conditioning may be broke in the church building. So we can't come. <laughs> I'm sorry. I Maybe I shouldn't have said that. It's not Shelley's fault, by the way. But we remember Jesus. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we endure? Because there's no one who has endured more for us than Jesus, who saved us. So remember Jesus. And that's why we suffer for Jesus. Paul says, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. You see, you know, the world thinks, hey, if we can take Christians out, that we can minimize or eliminate the gospel altogether. Boy, does the world have a surprise coming. No matter the difficulty or the oppression they put upon God's people, the Word of God will never, ever, ever be bound. Ever. Do you know what you see in the book of Acts? Every time there was persecution, it says the Word of God grew and multiplied. I'm not saying we should pray for opposition, but boy, we should be getting a little uncomfortable and share the gospel, and whatever opposition arises, know this, that it's not going to hinder the Word of God. We need to learn to endure and to suffer the opposition. Why? Because of Jesus. But also we endure for people to be saved. Paul says, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 
I know without a shadow of a doubt, many of you would put your life in the way to save a child or a neighbor or a loved one. But for some reason, when it comes to the gospel, we're scared. We're frightened. Maybe it's, I don't know what to say. But do you realize that we're involved literally in matters of life and death? That, that really, if you think about it, that we should put our ways, our life, at risk that it might save one. That it might save one. Paul says, therefore I endure everything that he might see the salvation of his people and the Gentiles, whoever he comes in contact with. Perhaps it's Joseph from the Maasai tribe. I endure everything. The beating again and again and again because the village I grew up in are now all believers. It was worth the suffering. We truly must learn to endure God is faithful. God is loving. But he even, he even prepared his disciples. Look, the world's going to hate you as it hates me. If they persecuted Jesus, they're going to persecute us. We should understand that. But when difficult times come and trying to minister in the lives of people, trying to share the gospel, don't be frightened. Don't be cowardly. Be bold. Choose your one. Pour into him through sunshine or rain, through hardship or times of ease. Just keep going. Endure. And so this morning, as we come and draw this, to, this sermon to an end, I want you to think about one person. One person. Perhaps God has placed one person on your heart this morning. Maybe you've been praying for one person to share the gospel with then why not this morning make a commitment that you're going to invest in that person? And it may be difficult, but you're, maybe, maybe people will reject the gospel, but don't quit. Go find another one. And another one. And another one. Because the field is white to harvest. And God will bring fruit for our labor. Remember, we plant some water, but it's God that brings the increase. If we are faithful, 
at what he's called us to do. We'll leave the results to him. And it's the least that we can do to share the gospel to our families, our communities, and around the world because it was Jesus who saved us and gave his life for us. So choose your one this morning. But I also want to share this morning that if you're here not knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're in this building for a reason. Somehow, by the Lord's movement in your heart, you came. And I know this, God's desire for you is for you to know Him personally, to understand that we are all sinners in need of a Savior, and that salvation cannot be earned, it cannot be worked for. Salvation comes by grace, His unmerited, His gift to you, if you will only believe. Will you trust Him this morning? Let's stand together. And if you're here wanting to know Christ, Pastor Lynn's up front. You can grab him aside. He'd love to share with you further God's Word about salvation. Maybe God has put on your heart about ministry. Maybe you just want to come and pray for your one. I invite you to come. God has given us a great work to accomplish. And we can do this work together. Would you just take that step of faith and join in the good fight and give all honor and all glory to God? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and grace. Father, we thank you for the opportunities and the privilege it is to join in your work, to be a part of what you're doing in this world. Father, give us hearts to see as you see people. Help us to identify people in the world that need the gospel. Help us and encourage us and equip us to share it. And Father, I know that as we do, that we'll, there'll be times where we want to be discouraged, that we'll be times of difficulty. But Father, if you will just strengthen us to keep at it as we reflect of what you have done for us. Help us keep on keeping on that you might be honored in all things. Father, thank you for loving us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.